Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. Today is June 15th, 2022, and our first story, Donald Trump gets his revenge on Tom Rice, a Republican who voted for impeachment, an incumbent who lost by over 25 points. That is apocalyptically bad for a candidate. Donald Trump is trying to oust the Republicans who supported impeachment or are criticizing him, and his endorsements so far are coming true. He's actually winning this one. In our next story, a historically Democrat district has just flipped Republican in Texas. Many say it's a sign the red wave is coming, but we'll see. It was a special election. In our last story, double standards abound. Taylor Lorenz, who complained about death threats and cried on TV, shrugs off death threats aimed at libs of TikTok after Taylor doxed libs of TikTok. We got to talk about that double standard. If you like the show, give us a good review. Share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. I absolutely loved this headline from NBC News. Trump gets impeachment revenge on Tom Rice in South Carolina. But Nancy Mace prevails. Well, she did. Trump has endorsed many candidates and he's doing really well. The candidates that he endorses tend to win. Not all of them, but many of them. Here's where this story gets crazy. Tom Rice as the incumbent lost by like 25 plus points. I mean, this was brutal. Donald Trump is the Republican Party. You know what? I get it. The Trump supporters, the diehards, they are not big fans of me. They, you know, our good friends over at Patriots.Win, formerly the Donald, they routinely rag on me, say he's a fence sitter and they call me names. But I get it. I do. We may disagree on many issues, but I certainly think for a lot of reasons, Donald Trump is right. Now, that doesn't mean I think he's the best candidate. I'm kind of torn between Trump and Ron DeSantis. Truth be told, Ron DeSantis has got more tact. For a lot of reasons, I think he would be a better president than Donald Trump. However, I don't think DeSantis would go in like a bull in a china shop. I think he's going to go in. He's going to do well. I think he would do a fantastic job. I think DeSantis has done wonderfully in Florida. I think Trump did a lot of things wrong that DeSantis wouldn't do. But right now, my friends, we're looking at Donald Trump's revenge, and it is nearly complete. 
Well, I shouldn't say nearly complete because depending on how you frame Donald Trump's revenge, it could be as simple as the rhinos who voted to impeach Trump are going to get wiped out. They're, they're going to lose their elections. Or you could say Donald Trump's ultimate revenge is getting reelected and then actually draining the swamp. You know, Trump made that mistake. He got into office and he brought swamp monsters in with him. I mean, I always say it, John Bolton, he got some bad advice and he ended up getting jammed up for two or three years. 2019 was pretty good economically. 2020 was COVID. So Trump did not get a fair chance at just leading this ship. He had intelligence agencies on him. He had lawsuit after lawsuit. He had the phony investigations, the Russiagate hoax. So I kind of feel like if Donald Trump were to get in at this point, he's going to clean house. He's going to say, no, 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 everybody out. But it's hard to say for sure. Elon Musk recently came out and said he voted Republican for the first time. A a historically Democrat district in Texas flipped Republican. Elon Musk says he voted for this, this woman, not the Democrat. And he's leaning towards Ron DeSantis in 2024. So it remains to be seen. But my friends, I would like to bring to you now the current the current state of Donald Trump's revenge. I just love the way that sounds. It's funny. You see, 10 Republicans voted to impeach Donald Trump. Donald Trump now, uh, uh, one of them has lost. We're likely going to see Liz Cheney lose. She's leading the January 6 hearings and she's 30 points underwater. But several other Republicans who voted to impeach Trump have retired or announced their retirement is coming. One Democrat who refused to impeach Jeff Van Drew, he won in a landslide in a moderate district. Let's talk about a red wave, baby. Let's talk about that. Jeff Van Drew winning a landslide means regular people are like, this is what we want. We are sick of everything else. Yeah, I'm sick of the Republicans. I am. I'm sick of the Democrats, but I'm absolutely sick of the Republicans. Well, let's take a look at this news and talk about what's going on. But my friends, I want to add one more point to this intro. It's the economy, stupid. Yeah, the Fed is talking about hiking interest rates. Some say, what else are you going to do? This inflation is out of control. Better leadership, I suppose. Better energy production. But when that hits, you know, people are going to figuratively revolt. I mean, hopefully they don't literally revolt, but they're going to say enough of this. And they might bring back Donald Trump because what memory do they have? Barack Obama? Well, they tried that with Biden. That didn't work. They're going to say 2019 was great, but we'll see. I think looking at Trump's revenge, these people losing these elections, his endorsements winning and Jeff Van Drew winning shows cultural issues do matter. And when it comes to Donald Trump, he is more trustworthy than the word Democrat. Let's read the story. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support our work. As a member, you'll get exclusive access to segments. You'll get access to exclusive segments, phrase it properly, of the TimCast IRL podcast. Last night, we had Drew Hernandez and Jorge Ventura on the show talking about the border issues, talking about Ezra Miller. These are not family friendly. It's family family friendly. It's TimCast after dark. Check those episodes out. But as a member at TimCast.com, you're supporting our journalists who strive every day to give you the best fact-based news. I am very strict when it comes to reporting. And you're supporting our infrastructure. We use Rumble because we don't want to support big tech censorship and we want to be more resilient. So we can use your support over at TimCast.com. Let's read that first story. From NBC News, Trump gets impeachment revenge on Tom Rice in South Carolina, but Nancy Mace prevails. This is interesting. 
Rep. Tom Rice, targeted by former President Donald Trump for voting to impeach him after the Capitol riot, was defeated by a Trump-backed challenger in South Carolina Tuesday night, while Rep. Nancy Mace, who also incurred Trump's ire for criticizing him over January 6th, prevailed. Yeah, but hold on a minute. Trump deserves to be criticized for January 6th. He could have came out much more strongly than he did. That doesn't mean I'm saying he did anything wrong. He had a rally and some bad people, you know, some people did some stupid stuff. There was a riot. It was bad. Now, a lot of people, you know, the MAGA Mimas, they call them, had the doors open for them, didn't know what was going on. I think the whole thing was bad. Don't get me wrong. But Donald Trump could have done a better job. That is to say, it's kind of like, eh, you know, it's not Trump's fault. He said, let's go home and be peaceful. He said he wanted a peaceful march. So her criticism of Donald Trump there, I'm not surprised she won. Rice's primary defeat in the state's 7th Congressional District at the hands of State Rep. Russell Fry marks the first time this election cycle that a pro-impeachment Republican has lost at the ballot box. Rice's loss also delivered Trump his first victory against an incumbent this year. Trump-backed candidates had lost five straight races against incumbents entering Tuesday. Trump was successful in ousting Rep. David McKinley in West Virginia, but McKinley was up against another incumbent in Rep. Alex Mooney. They were put into the same district as part of redistricting this year. But in South Carolina's first congressional district, a different story unfolded. Mace's victory over former state rep Katie Arrington meant yet another loss for Trump in his effort to exact revenge on Republicans he's deemed disloyal. Trump reacted to both projected outcomes on his truth social platform. He called Arrington a long shot who ran a great race and way overperformed, adding congrats to Nancy Mace, who should easily be able to defeat her Democrat opponent. Turning his attention to Fry and Rice, he wrote, the biggest news of the evening so far is that Russell Fry beat impeach master Tom Rice with a vote of more than 51%, therefore winning outright with no need for a runoff. Rice surprised many by joining nine other Republicans in voting to impeach Trump after the former president's supporters stormed the Capitol on January 6th. The congressman knew his impeachment vote could cost him re-election but expressed no regrets in an interview with NBC News last week. Yeah, well, what about those other Republicans? They're retiring. First, let me show you the hard numbers. Russell Fry with 51.1% to Tom Rice's 24.5. That is apocalyptic. You go up against Trump, you get wiped out. Now on the left, they say, see, this is the Trump cult. This is the Trump... No, it's not. It really isn't. There certainly is a Trump cult. Uh, I, I certainly think so. There are people who just no matter what Trump does, they will defend him every turn. I think Trump deserves to be defended from a lot of these attacks because, as it turns out, the media lies all the time. But come on, man. Nobody is above criticism. Well, that being said, Donald Trump did a pretty good job with, with what he had. And so his endorsements matter. It's not about blindly following Trump. For me personally, you know, I, I, I like Trump because he's challenging the system. He's not perfect. He's fairly moderate. But I'm just sick of the games. I'm sick of the establishment, the manipulation and the lies. And we want someone who can stand up and say enough. Now, Ron DeSantis can do that. The question is, I'm worried that uh, the question is, will Ron DeSantis get into office and say we're shutting her down? I mean, like going after the cronies and firing people. I think Ron DeSantis might get in and fall into the same trap Trump did. 
He's going to say, okay, we'll fire some of these people. We'll bring some people in. We need some experts. And then the swamp monsters are going to be there and they're going to get them. I think at this point, Donald Trump is going to go in and go, excuse me, excuse me. No, you're fired out, out of the building. And I'm going to be like, thank you. But we'll see. Professionally, I like DeSantis more. I recently appeared, uh, this is a couple months ago. Actually, how long ago was this? this was several months. It was April, I think. I appeared on the Daily Wire's Backstage Live, and we talked about this. And I said, I lean toward, look, I'm a moderate guy. Um, I've always been traditionally liberal, voted Democrats. Even in 2020, I was supporting Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang. Still like Tulsi. I think she's wrong on certain things. Andrew Yang, I don't trust. Bernie Sanders, I don't trust. And so I'm like, I think DeSantis, I really do. I don't, I, I think he's conservative. I think he's bad on certain things. I'm not sure if I trust him on free speech issues, but he's substantially better than everything else. The question is, will he do right in getting into D.C. and getting rid of the swamp monsters? I'm not entirely sure. Now, let's take a look at this real quick. Seventh district primary. Russell Fry, as I mentioned, with 51.1 percent. Tom Rice, the incumbent, losing. You remember this story because I covered it when it happened because I love it. Democrat turned Republican wins landslide victory. People don't want Biden's dysfunctional America. Now, Jeff Van Drew was a Democrat, refused to impeach Trump. Then he switches to the Republican Party, wins a landslide. But get this. It's a GOP primary landslide. I think he got, what, 85 percent winning 85 percent of the vote. You know why? Trump supporters are not far right. Some of them, maybe. They're not QAnon creepy conspiracy cultists. They're regular people. Jeff Van Drew, a moderate former Democrat, got 85% of the GOP primary vote. That is to say, these primary voters, regular people, not far right. This is what they're looking for. Donald Trump's endorsement is worth a certain amount maybe 20 to 30 points in some cases. But you've got the incumbent advantage. You've got a moderate politician backed by Trump. And people are like, yes, please. I think Jeff Van Drew refusing to impeach was a powerful statement. And for this, he's won. This is what we want to see. This is unity. A former Democrat winning a Republican primary, that is unity. Republicans voting for a Democrat in their primary? Because this guy's shown principle and authenticity. I saw a great quote. It was a young person who said, uh, it was actually, I think a comment was made to us on Timcast IRL. They said, I'm a young voter and I would vote for Logan Paul over any one of these inauthentic establishment politicians. And you know what? I agree. I got to be honest. I actually think Logan Paul is pretty legit. I've, I've seen some of his stuff. He's a good dude. You know, look, the Paul brothers are not, you know, they, they, they've had their issues, but you really take a look at the hard work they put in, their ethos and everything. And well, Jake Paul may be a little, a little crazier, but he also, he also ragged on Joe Biden. Logan Paul is a hard worker. I, I, I dig the work Logan Paul does. Now you look at these guys and you look at the authenticity people feel from seeing them. And it's true. Now, granted, I think Jake and Logan Paul aren't that authentic. I'm not saying that to drag them. I'm saying they're personalities. They do a show. It's not the same as somebody who does vlogs like this and kind of just wings it with no script. But I do think they are substantially more authentic than 99.9% of politicians. That's why I think it matters so much that Jake Paul came out and slammed Joe Biden. Look, I'm citing these YouTube guys, you know, I was like, what's up with that? Jake Paul, little YouTube troublemaker, 
big following. I say Lil, I'm, I, don't, I mean that as in like he's making a little bit of trouble here and there, but he's a big prominent celebrity. And he's coming out and saying Joe Biden's the problem. You know what he said? Biden's accomplishments. Highest gas prices, worse inflation, plummeting crypto, highest rent prices ever, and a new incomprehensible language. If you're reading this and voted for Biden and you still don't regret it, then you are the American problem. Bravo, dude. Man, I like the Paul brothers now. Actually, I, I, I've been a fan of Logan Paul for a while since I watched him do that boxing match. And he said there was like some guy who snuck in. And he made some comments about working hard, doing your thing. And I was like, this dude's this dude's all right. I, it's like I watch his stuff. I've heard that I've seen the smear pieces about him, but I think they're all right, man. Now, Jake Paul, I don't know a whole lot about, but if he's going to come out and be clear minded about the Joe Biden problem, respect. Let's jump over to our good friends over at Patriots.win. I always say our good friends because it's either true or it's not true. That's why it's funny. Patriots.win. Oh, it's a love hate relationship. The guys over at the Donald, they uh, what, did, what did I say? I said July is MAGA month. And uh, that means we're all going to change our profile pictures to have American flags behind us. And we're going to grill every weekend. And then they were like, every weekend? You mean every day? And I'm like, okay, agreed. But they were like, Tim is right. And then whenever they make a post about me, it's like a bunch of people arguing whether I'm, you know, like a cuck or I'm correct or I'm just red pilling people or whatever. I don't, uh, and to, the, to, our, to my good friends over at Patriots that win, I don't come to the Donald all that often. Um, some people think I'm there all the time. I'm not really. Some people have pointed out that if I went there more often, I might have the facts, more facts. Uh, I think that's actually fairly true. When the Donald posts something that uh, that corrects the fake news, like when the media lies about Trump or the right, they'll have the correct version up typically more often and much faster than other sources. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll dive into what they're saying more often than I do. But anyway, they have this post that says U.S. Rep. Tom Rice one of 10 House Republicans to vote to impeach Donald Trump over the January 6th insurrection has been ousted from Congress in his South Carolina GOP primary race. Rice was defeated by state rep Russell Fry, who was backed by Trump. Now, here we can see Kinzinger retired, Upton retired, Katko retired, Gonzalez retired, Rice loses. Now, what about the remaining individuals? You got Butler in Washington, you got Newhouse in Washington, you got Cheney in Wyoming, and you got Valdo in California. You got Meyer in Michigan. We'll see. I can say for Liz Cheney, not looking good. First, let me bring you to this piece. GOP rep Fred Upton. Let's talk about Donald Trump's revenge. It's not really revenge. Tom Rice losing is funny, but the rest of them are just retiring. Trump doesn't even need to do anything. These people know they cannot win. Tom Rice was like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to go up against Trump and I'm going to. And then he lost. Check this out. The Michigan Republican, one of the longest tenured Republicans in the House to retire. Upton was one of 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach then president. He has decided to retire rather than seek reelection in 2022. Adam Kinzinger. Oh, you know him. You love him. Kinzinger retiring from Congress vows broader fight nationwide against Trumpism. Of course, you know that he's one of 10 House Republicans to vote to impeach the, the, the president. And he's on the January 6th committee. Next up, we have. Republican Rep. John Katko, who voted for Trump's impeachment, is retiring. Look at them. They're all just bowing out. Anthony Gonzalez is retiring. Here's what happened to the House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. This from September 17th, 2021. They know they can't win. Donald Trump brought in new voices, new faces, and a new energy to the Republican Party that cannot be denied. And of course, then we have Liz Cheney. Oh, Liz Cheney. 
My, I, I tweeted, my favorite holiday is Liz Cheney getting voted out of office day because I don't like Liz Cheney. Uh, Liz Cheney comes from a, 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 a troubled legacy, as it were. I think she's duplicitous. I think she is establishment. Uh, uh, she's an establishment politician. Their, their whole thing is power, manipulation. They want war. Not a fan. Liz Cheney is underwater. Take a look at this story from Politico. As Cheney files for re-election, poll from rival group shows her trailing badly. The survey conducted by the Club for Growth is consistent with other data out of Wyoming in the last year. So she is going to take the Tom Rice route, it appears. She's, she's going to run for re-election. Maybe she wins. I don't know. I don't trust her. Maybe she wins. I cannot imagine the people of Wyoming which I believe is the number one most Trump supporting state in the country, are going to vote for one of the most ardent anti-Trump politicians in Congress. Politico reported May 27th, GOP rep Liz Cheney is down 30 points in a new survey of her August primary conducted by the Club for Growth, which is opposing the embattled incumbent. The poll, which provides perhaps the starkest illustration yet of the political peril Cheney faces this year, shows Wyoming attorney Harriet Hageman garnering 56% of the vote to Cheney's 26 in the GOP primary. A third Republican got 12% support, and just 6% are undecided. Hageman was recruited and endorsed by former President Donald Trump in response to Cheney's vote to impeach him last year, alongside nine other Republicans. The race for Wyoming's lone congressional district is one where the club for growth and Trump, who have quickly turned from allies to foils, are aligned. Though the club has not formally endorsed Hageman, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, mind you, the poll, shared first with Politico, was conducted this week by WPA Intelligence, a Republican firm, ahead of Friday's candidate filing deadline. Trump has taken intense interest in the race because Cheney has been a prominent critic of his attempts to subvert the 2020 election results. After her impeachment vote, she became one of just two Republicans, along with Rep Kinzinger, to sit on the commission investigating the January 6th Capitol riots that Speaker Nancy Pelosi created. You see, this is BS. Many Republicans wanted on the panel. They want on, on the committee. Nancy Pelosi would not allow them on. The polling reinforces another piece of data released a year ago, which showed that 52% of Wyoming GOP primary voters were planning to vote against Cheney, regardless of who challenges her. Bravo, Wyoming. West Virginia is the second most Trump supporting state. Of course, that's where I'm at. Let's, let's, let's bring it home, West Virginia. Let's see what you can do. I think the West Virginia primaries, well, they did already happen, so it is what it is. They're going to say this week provided evidence that GOP primary voters were willing to come back to some Republican Republicans Trump branded as enemies as Georgia's Governor Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger and Attorney General Chris Carr all won primaries against Trump backed challengers. Look, I think people do like moderates in Georgia. We're seeing it. Some say Democrats are jumping parties to sabotage them. I don't know about all that, but let's take a look at Trump's track record. From Axios, as of June 15th, Trump endorsement tracker, which candidates have won and lost. For the U.S. Senate, 6-1 and 0 lost out of 8 endorsements. Wow. So we still have uh, endorsee as the incumbent. We have Kelly Shibaka of Alaska uh, running against Lisa Murkowski and Blake Masters in Arizona. In the U.S. House, House, 12 have won and 3 have lost out of 26 endorsements. So we'll see statewide office, eight won and six lost out of 21 endorsements. Well, that should be interesting. You know, that's that's Raffensperger. That's Kemp. 
Axios reports candidates backed by former President Trump mostly prevailed in primaries on Tuesday night in a fresh test of the former president's influence over the GOP. Why it matters. A string of losses among candidates endorsed by Trump in May has punctured perceptions of his dominance over the GOP for the first time in years. Uh, I'm going to give you a a pause right there. I, I don't see it. This Tom Rice victory, this is Trump's revenge. And there's more coming. I think we're going to see Trump succeeding in many of his endorsements. Not perfect, though. Former Nevada. Oh, yeah, actually, do they mention Dr. Oz? We, we, we got we to gotta pull that one up because I think, yeah, uh, Mehmet Oz of Pennsylvania. Not a fan of that endorsement, mm, but uh, Trump got it right. So there you go. There you go. Oz owes Trump that favor. They say former Nevada, Nevada Attorney General Adam Laxalt won the state's Republican Senate primary on Tuesday against former Army veteran Sam Brown, who mounted a late stage comeback. The big picture, an Axios analysis of Trump's 173 endorsements found his record, while still positive overall, is far weaker when candidates running unopposed or in non-competitive races are filtered out. Seven candidates endorsed by Trump were defeated in GOP primaries last month, including four high profile challengers in Georgia. Look, I think this just shows Trump does have the dominance. He has the majority, but we will see. It will be updated. Maybe it turns out in the end, it goes sour. I don't know, though. I think I think Donald Trump, I think he has it. I think when people like Jake Paul are ragging on Joe Biden, this is the barometer for regular people. This is not Jake Paul does not come off like as a dude to me who is a diehard politico who's reading the news all day, every day, like I do, even when I'm like bedridden, my back's hurting. And I'm like sitting there, and I can't move, and I couldn't even work. I'm just like reading Twitter, and I'm like watching the, these, these news stories. Jake Paul's the opposite. This is a guy who makes entertainment content, but he has been stricken, as it were. No, probably he's seeing his crypto market tank. He's seeing his portfolio, his, his, his stocks probably tank, and he's like, what's happening? He's, he's, he's probably thinking, like, I worked so hard, and now I'm losing it all. Why is this happening? I got news for you, Jake. Joe Biden wants to raise taxes. Yo, that was that that is going to be a a kick in the balls, to put it mildly. Now, Joe Biden's like, it only affect people who make more than four hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm like, okay, well, that'll affect Jake Paul. But I don't think that's true necessarily. I think everyone's going to going to get hit by it. The media kept trying to claim that Trump was raising tax on the middle class when he cut them. But here we go. There's more. Biden says he's changing people's lives. Critics say, yeah, for the worse. This is really amazing. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives, he shouted. Under President Biden's America, Americans' lives have changed for the worst, tweeted Rep. Mike Rogers. President Biden is right, right, said Senator John Kennedy. 40-year high inflation, formula shortages, and $5 gas are changing lives. Yeah, Joe, for the worse. Come on, dude. And it's going to get way worse. You ready for this, my friends? Fed set for largest rate hike in a decade. This one's tough. You know, I was asked, I think it was by the progressive, like, what should we do about inflation? And I I said, look, the solution seems to be a rate hike. I said, uh, raise interest rates. It's the the only way to to tamp down on inflation. It sucks to say. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of the Federal Reserve. I'm not I'm not a fan of all of this. I do believe the rate hike is going to slow down inflation. The problem is you have too much money being printed. That's the real problem. So I don't know if we needed a rate hike. I think this was them gutting the system and then gutting it further. Perhaps the issue is 
the mass printing of money, the changing of the money system. Uh, what, what, what was it? We got off the fractional reserve system in 2020 and we switched. This was in March, I believe, to an infinite reserve or a non-reserve, meaning normally a bank can issue out a certain amount of money. They can create money supply through the issuance of, of loans, through debt. But they had to have a certain amount of money in the bank. Well, not anymore. Now they can just crank it all out. This has rapidly spiked the money supply, which means tons of spending, but no production, which is going to lead to massive inflation. Now that they've created that problem, they say, okay, we slammed the gas on. Now we're slamming the brakes. That is not an appropriate way to drive. I'll say it again. I I do think the the rate hikes are going to result in a tamping down inflation. Perhaps the bigger problem is the Fed itself. The Hill says, The Federal Reserve is expected to announce the biggest interest rate hike since 1994 on Wednesday after an alarming inflation report and stock market meltdown upended the central bank's plans. The Federal Open Markets Committee, the panel of Fed officials responsible for setting monetary policy, was on track to announce a 0.5% percentage point hike to its baseline interest rate and uh, and the end of its two-day meeting Wednesday. It would have been the second 50 basis point hike issued by the FOMC in consecutive meetings as the bank struggles to get ahead of, raising, uh, ahead of rising prices. But Fed watchers now believe it's going to be 75 basis points, so 0.75%. Consumers and businesses have become increasingly concerned about the state of the economy and expect inflation to keep rising above c- current levels, which can serve as a self-fulfilling prophecy about quick Fed action. Not only is the Federal Reserve faced with the risk of inflation becoming embedded into consumer and business expectations, but it must also factor market behavior into its policy decisions. Okay, okay, let's just slow it down. The crash. Oh, it's a coming. I look at my stocks. Woof. They're down. Yikes. My crypto. Oh, crypto. Brutal. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, I'll tell you this. You know, this is, this is, this is the issue why, why I think class issues are, 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 why I think class is an issue. I have lost more money in stocks and crypto than um, most people make in like five, 10 years. But I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I mean, it's no secret that I've been doing all right for myself from some, for some time. But I just want to tell you, under Biden's economy, man, it really did feel like someone just punched me in the gut as hard as possible. It sucks. It really does. But yo, look, man, I'm, uh, I come from but humble beginnings. I'm not going to cry about it. I know a lot of people are freaking out about crypto. My, 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 my answer is I'm not selling any of it. I'm not selling my stocks. These things always recover. They always rebound. So for me, I'm just like, well, you know, you weather the storm. Maybe crypto tanks completely. Yeah, it is what it is. Maybe I'll end up losing a lot of money. Well, you know, that's not why I bought crypto in the first place. But I will say the fact that regular people are losing everything in this market and they're struggling to get by. It just shows why I, think, why, why I tend to lean left on certain class issues. I don't got to cry about it. When you see these rich liberals who tell you, just buy an electric car. I don't care about gas prices. Oh, I get it. I do get it. I drive a Tesla. So when I see that $5 a gallon gas, I drive right past it. Come home, plug it in. It's very, very cheap to recharge the battery on my Tesla for, for local commuting. But I'm not an idiot. I know most people don't live this way. I know most people don't have Teslas. I know people need gas to survive. I get it. I would never tell a regular person, just get an electric car. I mean, I will sarcastically. $54,000 on average, if you can even get one because of the shortages. And if everybody drove an electric car, the grid would be overloaded. Well, maybe not completely overloaded, but that 
Yeah, probably. The constant recharging. This is why I can't stand the elites. They come out and they laugh about it. I drive an electric car. <laughs> That's great. Now I understand if you do good work and you succeed and you make money, you can take care of yourself. We got solar panels getting installed at our new facility, so we're never going to have power outages. Never. So we don't got to worry about the power going out when we do our shows. I've got an electric car and I've got a gas car. So I can, whichever one, if the gas prices go down, I'll use gas. If it won't, I got an electric car. But that's thanks to you guys. So imagine the, 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 the ineptitude and the insanity faced that, that, uh, that these people present when it is because of you, all of you, who have lifted up the elite, gloating in your face about how you are the problem. That's the amazing thing to me. When you see these people like Michael Bloomberg say, tax the poor, I'm like, dude, you are rich and have access to the things you do because all of those people do work and, it, and then you are granted access. Me, I get it. This is why I always say I lean left on a lot of economic policy. I'm not, I'm not some guy who thinks I've done everything myself and, and you know that. I'm fairly individualist, but I take a look at what's about to hit and Democrats are in for, in for a reckoning and I'll tell you exactly why. Because it is people like Stephen Colbert, and it was, uh, who was it, uh, um, I can't remember her name, the senator, where they're both like, well, I drive an electric car, so I don't care. Or they're like, I don't really notice the price. I drive an electric car. That's like saying to the people who have put you in this position of wealth, let them eat cake. Yeah, I'm not that crazy. I don't, I don't, need, I don't want people coming to my house with pitchforks. Yeah, I'll tell you this, man. I'm grateful to everything that we've been able to accomplish the, to to the, 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 what I've been able to accomplish in my life. But I tell you this, property, it's a piece of paper. You think you own those buildings? You think you own those houses? Now, I know exactly what it means. If this system were to crumble, the house that I own, it's worth, it's, 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 it's a piece of paper. All that matters is your ability to defend yourself. So right now, what do I see? I see a lot of people who watch my show, who watch my content, and they have afforded me a good life. And I am eternally appreciative of that. And then I see the Democrats. Same thing. They're voted into power. They manipulate that power for personal gain and then spit on the working class. That's why they're going to lose. Because you cannot bite the hand that feeds you. But they don't think so. They think they're smarter. They think, that they think they're better than you. Me, I say it all the time. I'm a guy who complains about stuff on the internet. And that's it. And we're doing a lot. We're building. We got new episodes up at Cast Castle. You should really check out the new shows we're producing with uh, Jamie Kilstein. So go to youtube.com slash Cast Castle. You'll get a kick out of the past two vlogs we've done and the next one coming up. And then we're going to be rolling out the, new, the, 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 the established format. We've been trying to do this for some time. I just want to put it this way. When you look at Trump's revenge, why does Trump win? Trump's a rich dude. But you know what Trump does? Go to, go to, his, go to, go to his restaurant. Go to his ice cream parlor. I know people, I've, or I should say, I've talked to people who work at these Trump places, and they say Trump would come down and hand out $100 bills. And they'd be like, I love working here. They'd say he's always the nicest guy. Now, Trump may not always be the nicest guy in reality, but I think Trump does champion the working, cha champion the working class, and I think the Democrats don't. I think the establishment despises the working class, and that's why we're going to see this. Now, I bring up this rate hike. It's the economy, stupid. I think Trump's going to get his revenge, but I think people are, are going to look at the economy and just say, I'm out. Bye, Democrats. So we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCastIRL. You're not going to want to miss this one. Dennis Prager will be in the castle. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. Obviously, I'm a fan, 
And I, I really want to talk to him about that Bill Maher segment where he was talking about tampons in the men's room and Bill didn't believe him and he was right. So normally we don't announce guests, but Dennis announced he was coming. So I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up then. Go to, go to youtube.com slash Timcast IRL and check it out. We will see you all there. Thanks for hanging out again. 8 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. Ladies and gentlemen, the red wave has already begun in a special election. Republican Myra Flores has won in Texas in a district that is 84% Hispanic and Democrat plus five. Let me put it simply. Hispanic voters are fleeing the Democratic Party. They're voting Republican. And if this is indicative of what we're going to see come November, Democrats with a five point advantage in this district lost. It's going to get pretty bad. And I don't think you need this story to figure out why. You need only look at gas prices over $5. At this point, I don't think Democrats stand a chance of winning anything other than like D plus 30 districts. But I think we're going to be surprised in places like New York where, yeah, the Democrat will probably win, but uh, it's going to be by shocking margins. I do think in safe blue districts, they're going to win handily. I mean, they're going to get 10 plus points, but in a D plus 30, what if we end up seeing, you know, AOC, for instance, she's in a D plus 28, meaning when you poll people, Democrats have like a 28% advantage, something like that. What if she ends up only winning by like single digits because people are just switching Republican? That may be the case. And the reason I bring up AOC in particular is because Myra Flores is in a Hispanic district. These are typically Democrat voters, but they're saying no. And it's a near border district. It's on the water. Well, I'll show you the, uh, the, the 34th congressional district and I'll show you the map. But this is big. I don't think politics matters all that much. I really, really don't. I made that mistake in 2018 when I was talking about culture war issues, thinking Republicans would win because regular people were getting fed up with this stuff. And while I do see younger people getting fed up with a lot of this stuff, it's the economy, stupid. All I got to do is let me see. We got tri- AAA gas prices. I love pulling up AAA gas prices, $5 and 1.4 cents. So basically 501 if we were to round down, $5 per gallon average. It's apocalyptic. We got more to the story, however. We also have Elon Musk saying he voted Republican for the first time. When you have Elon Musk, who's got what, 90 million followers, let's say half of those are bots, 50 million followers paying attention to what he's saying. And he is saying, vote Republican. That matters. That is press you cannot buy. They've lost people like Elon Musk. Now, my friends, you may have noticed I've been out of commission for the past couple of days. And I must admit, even as of now, it is rather difficult for me to be uh, working, but possible. So uh, I'm an old man. And some people said, Tim, certainly you hurt your back skating or skateboarding or something. And I said, no, I simply slept. That's it. So it happens when you get old. I slept and I woke up and went, I can't move. And so I prioritized uh, Timcast IRL. So um, because there's more people involved in that, we have other people who want to come on the show and we've booked guests. So I just basically slept all day and my back really does hurt. So keep that in mind as I struggle through producing these segments. Newsweek says Myra Flores victory hailed by Republicans. Texas just got more red. They say Flores beat her nearest Democratic challenger, former Cameron County Commissioner Dan Sanchez, by 51 percent to 43 percent, edging past the 50 percent threshold needed to avoid a runoff. Flores victory in the 34th district, which was left vacant by 
Philemon Vela's resignation in March makes her the first Latina Republican from Texas in Congress. And apparently she is the first Mexican born member of Congress and Republican. Republicans are laughing about that. Like, where's the diversity, Democrats? The victory will pile pressure onto the Democrats who are trying to hold onto their slim majority in the midterms. The GOP will also be hoping Flores' victory will boost the congressional campaigns of other Latina candidates in Southern Texas, such as Janie Lopez, Monica De La Cruz, and Cassie Garcia. Let's take a look at these numbers, tell you why this is so massive. But there, there are, there, let me push back a little bit too. First, let me say, this is a special election, which means you are likely seeing people who pay more attention going out and voting. As we know, Republicans tend to pay more attention, or, or I should say people who pay more attention are more likely to vote Republican. So I don't think this is necessarily indicative of what we're going to see, you know, one for one come November. To put it simply, if we go over to the Wikipedia entry for Texas's 34th congressional district, we can see 84.5% Hispanic and Democrat plus five. It, this district voted for Joe Biden 51 to 47. Clinton, 59, uh, yes, 59% to 37% in 2016. And Obama, 61 to 38. In the past 10 years, it went from a two to one Democrat district to barely being Democrat and now flipping Republican. Keep that in mind when you take a look at states like California. California is two to one Democrat to Republican. It's possible in 10 years you see a major flip. One thing that matters in these elections is going to be demographics. It's going to be who's moving to the area. What is the what is the younger generation thinking? And I think this matters too. What may have had an impact here, and people got to understand this, it's not always that people are just changing their minds. Some people might think you get a regular Democrat voter, they see gas price and they go, I think I'll vote Republican this time. I don't think so. I think most Democrats who are Democrats identify as such are entrenched. Most Republicans are entrenched. But younger people, how are they feeling? What are they thinking? They enter the voting pool and then you start to see numbers shift. I think that might play a huge role here. So let's, so let's say this. Out of the 28,990 votes in a special election, in a district of 700, and what are we looking at? 712,000 people. 700, 712, 596. <clears throat> so that's a lot of people. And only 28,990 voted in this special election. I think it's fair to say, look, it sounds good when you've got a major, you've got like basically an eight point swing in a D plus five district. Some people might think that's, that's showing a good signs for November. No, no, to be fair, I think it is. I do. But keep in mind, 28,990 people voted in a district of 712,000 people. Clearly, this is just Republicans are paying attention. And the people who are paying attention are upset and want change. They came out to vote. And that being said, Democrats in a D plus five district couldn't muster up 15,000 votes in a special election. Okay. Sounds to me like there's going to be a major change come November. But don't take my word for it. Let's take a look at our good friend, Elon Musk. Elon Musk claims he voted Republican for the first time on Tuesday. The billionaire says there will be a massive red wave in November's midterm election. I'd like to say yes. I would like to say, my friends, be ready for a red wave. But I want to add, if the Republicans win, there's no guarantee they'll do anything. 
And even still, they might not. I think it's fair to say things are looking really, really good. Even the Washington Post said every poll can't be wrong. But Elon Musk is saying not only did he vote Republican for the first time, he's probably going to be voting for Ron DeSantis if DeSantis runs for president. That's where he's leaning. And this is big. Elon Musk, I think, is indicative of a regular person, but it's not just Elon Musk. Did you see Jake Paul? Jake Paul came out and said record gas prices, the market's tanking, crypto is down. Thanks, Joe Biden. He didn't say that literally. He said, you know, this is what the highlights of Joe Biden's presidency. And he says, if you voted for Joe Biden and don't see why that why he's a problem or you don't regret it, you're the American problem. When Elon Musk and Jake Paul come out, not political influencers, and they're saying, you know what? I am done. Get ready for that red wave, my friends. Gizmodo reports Elon Musk voted for a Republican for the first time on Tuesday, according to a tweet the billionaire sent early Wednesday. Musk has previously insisted he's only voted for Democrats, but made a recent switch to Republicans, a switch made coincidentally or not, just after being contacted by for, uh, for comment by Insider about harassment allegations. I love that narrative they're playing. No, 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 no. Elon Musk mentioned that they were going to come after him because he had been speaking out, was going, was trying to get in, uh, uh, trying to buy Twitter and defending the Babylon Bee. He said, the smear pieces are going to come. Maybe, maybe it all is coincidental. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's simply that they're smearing him because he's voting Republican. Maybe he's voting Republican because they're smearing him. Either way, if you come out and start attacking someone because they're saying, yo, let's be fair. Don't be surprised if they switch parties and say, you know what? You have earned our ire and now we're going to be voting against you. The media walks in lockstep with the Democratic Party, and it's about time someone spoke up. Musk has been accused of exposing himself to a a SpaceX flight attendant. Now, look, man, they say a charge he denies. Yeah, I don't believe it at all. Elon Musk is reportedly, uh, he's got Asperger's, I believe he's autistic. I do not see that coming from someone like Elon Musk. It just doesn't make sense to me. It really, really does not. No, I think what happens is you pay out lawsuits and then this is what happens. You've been accused. Someone comes to you with a frivolous lawsuit. Terrible lawyers. I can't stand lawyers, by the way. They always advise you, just pay it. Just pay it. It's easier. Any lawyer who comes to you and says, just pay it is a bad lawyer, in my opinion. I'm not giving legal advice because what they're saying is, you know, what? it's going to cost you more money. No, they're wrong. These people do not understand modern politics. Lawyer probably went to Elon and said, Elon, look, it's going to cost you more money to fight this. You pay it. We're done. You sign a gag order or an NDA. You pay that. We're out of here. They'll take it. And then what happens is these people are judgment proof because they don't have money to be sued for. So they leak the, the settlement. And then not only did you pay out money to somebody who you can't sue after they violate the terms of the agreement, you are now, it's proof. You settled, you did this. I'm sure this stuff is what's leading Elon Musk to say, this is not justice and I've had enough. They're going to say, Musk, who now lives in Texas, claims he voted for Myra Flores, a Republican who was running in a special election Tuesday in the 34th congressional district against Democrat Dan Sanchez. He says, I voted for Myra Flores, First time I ever voted Republican, massive red wave in 2022. Flores, who was endorsed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott, also a Republican, 
campaigned against the right, uh, the right to have an abortion and flipped a House seat that's traditionally gone Democratic. Flores will have a very short time finishing her current term in Congress before she's up for re-election in November. I got to say, guys, I'm not sure she's going to win in November. I really don't think so. I, I should say I, I shouldn't say that that way. I'm not convinced she will she will win. I think she has a good chance. An eight point lead is substantial because it means Democrats aren't paying attention. But come the election, Democrats are going to pull out all the stops. Maybe they just said, we don't care about this. You know, we don't we don't care about the special election. Twenty eight thousand nine hundred six months. All right. We don't care about the seat. We don't need it. We will see. I want to show you a few things Elon Musk said in response to this. Pranay Pothole says, Pothole, or how we pronounce it, Elon, is this the first time that has happened with you where you're receiving massive amounts of hate by the top Democrat leaders, Biden, Sanders, AOC, Warren, etc.? Because when Obama was running the office, he used to support the work Tesla and SpaceX were doing. Elon Musk said yes. In another tweet, and maybe it's this one. Okay, so in another tweet, someone said, I assume Republican for president too. Elon Musk says to be determined. Tesla owners of Silicon Valley's the Twitter account says, where do you what are you leaning towards? And he said, DeSantis. Pranay says, what do you think about Andrew Yang? Elon says, I supported Yang last time, but DeSantis has a better chance of winning. I don't like Andrew Yang. Then I supported him last time. I don't. I think this dude is is slimy. I supported Andrew Yang because he had the most comprehensive plan as a presidential candidate. I mean, the, the amount of uh, issues he was posting on and thinking about, I respected it. But he clearly just wants to pander to the establishment and isn't willing to actually pay attention, takes a job with CNN. I, I think he did is it, He did that, right? A contributorship or something. And then he came out and was like, Liz Cheney is very brave. And it's like, dude, OK, you know what? You're not here for the people at all. So, no, I don't support the guy, but I did support him last time. Let me show you some stuff. Let me show you this presidential job approval rating. Biden's job approval as of right now. Oh, it is a tanking. It is lower than it was yesterday. 38.7%, my friends, in aggregate. Again, you need only look at gas prices to realize Joe Biden's in trouble and the Democrats are in trouble. But here's why I highlight this. Right now, the Democrats are postponing their January 6th committee hearing. Scuttlebutt from The Hill. I've got uh, uh, rumors circulating. A couple journalists uh, who work on the uh, who, who work with people on The Hill. I wanna be, I'm trying to be a little vague. But um, Sources familiar with what's going on said that staffers are being warned. The plan is Roe and Casey will get overturned today or that some major action is happening, which will result in protest riots or violence. So they are postponing the Wednesday hearing. Certain federal uh, staff are being told to stay home because they fear it could get violent. Maybe it's a Wednesday. So we'll see. Uh, maybe I think what will happen is that whatever the ruling comes down, they'll plan for a Friday when people, you know, can can come out. Typically, they do this because of students and people with jobs who have the, the weekend off. People don't like to protest or riot during weekdays, but they do. They do. They do sometimes. But anyway, I digress. The January 6th committee. It's the best they have to offer right now, isn't it? Well, I already showed you the gas prices are over five dollars, but I'd like to show you this. President Trump's job approval. Now, President Trump's lowest approval rating, I believe, was 37, 37.1. It looks like was the lowest that Trump got. OK, that's low. And that was December 16th, 2017. So, you know, 
He had the media up against him, and I'm not going to pretend he's a perfect president or anything like that. I think he did good later on. But he gets 37.1. Now, here's why I bring this up. I want to be fair and mention that Donald Trump's uh, approval rating has been lower than where Joe Biden is now. But after the events of January 6, Donald Trump's job approval fell to 39.3. And that was by January 15th, 2021. So immediately following, let me see what we got here. We got January 10th. It was at 42. January 6th, 44.2. And let's just go right after January 6th. Can I zoom in on this thing? It's like so, so uh, let's do it. We'll do last 30 days. Here we go. All right, here we go. Let's say, let's, let's, ah, come on, you're refreshing on me. Let's go to the past 30 days. We'll take a look at January 7th. All right. The day after January 6th, with all the news, Trump's approval rating was 43.7. In the following days, it drops to 43 to 42. And let's just say this, okay? By the 11th, he's at 41. That is to say that in the immediate aftermath of January 6th, Donald Trump's aggregate approval rating is higher than what Joe Biden has now. So my point here is, if Donald Trump's aggregate approval rating was in the low 40s after January 6th, why do Democrats think highlighting January 6th now is going to help them when Joe Biden's approval is lower than what Trump's was? You get my point? Meaning there are more people who disapprove of Biden than disapproved of Trump after January 6th. You are spinning your wheels. You are wasting your time. But I think it's fair to say they got nothing. They got nothing. Elon Musk comes out and says, I'm voting Republican. Jake Paul comes out, tells all of his fans. That's the younger generation. I don't know how old Jake Paul is. What is he, like 30-some? Or, or late 20s? I don't know, honestly. The younger generation is angry. Elon Musk, Gen Xer, I think he is, telling all of his regular fans who don't pay attention to politics, no to Joe Biden. Here's the funny thing. I'll tell you. You go over to Joe Biden's approval rating at 38.7, and you got to ask yourself, if, it is, if Joe Biden only has the approval of 38.7% of people in the aggregate, so this is all of the polls combined, which is like the best data you're going to get. If, if more than half, almost two thirds of this country don't like Joe Biden, don't you think the late night talk show hosts would be saying things like, Joe Biden's a terrible president. He's awful because it's a safe bet. You want to maximize your market share. It's right here. You know, they say, I got these leftists saying like Tim Pool's just chasing the numbers or whatever. I'm like, dude, it is popular. That's true to rag on Joe Biden. So what about late night TV hosts? If every single person, if, if, if two thirds of the people of this country are saying Joe Biden's doing a bad job, I do not approve, then I don't understand why people aren't speaking up and saying it. I believe we're looking right now at the silent majority. Regular people scared to speak up, scared to admit publicly that they think Joe Biden is trash. So what do we get? Well, they'll tell the pollsters. They'll say, yeah, I don't like the job he's doing. Will they tell their neighbors? Nope. It's interesting, though. Think about this. The polls have typically skewed against Republicans, which means Biden's approval rating is probably way lower. And not only that, there's also the secret Trump voter, people who are scared to tell pollsters. There's also Trump supporters who lie to pollsters. That being said, we have seen, I think, a 7% swing in favor of Republicans. The polls have been off by that much. Joe Biden's approval rating may be 
So January 6th committee hearings, that ain't going to fly. That will accomplish nothing. It's gas prices. It really is. It's the economy. And now what we're hearing is the Fed is going to raise interest rates. And I know a lot of people are ragging on the Fed over this, and I'm not a big fan of the Federal Reserve, but I do want to point out you have hyperinflation. The Fed says we need to slow down spending. There's too much spending and not enough production. So they raise interest rates to try and slow the spending down, which hurts the economy when it's already at low production. So you want to talk about what the Fed can do for us? Apparently, it's going to be bad no matter what. Getting a hold on inflation is extremely important. 8.6, we're seeing 8% inflation month over month. That's really, really bad. Maybe a recession isn't the worst thing in terms of the long term. But I'll tell you this, the policies of this government have been a failure. When you look at Donald Trump, they say, oh, but what's, what we're seeing now, you know, uh, uh, it's, not even, it's, it's like by February, we saw wages tank. We had a bunch of executive orders from Biden. And they say, well, that was Trump's doing from the year prior. If that were true, Joe Biden has had longer than a year to reverse it, and he hasn't. Maybe you can argue that the damage done from the governors and Trump in 2020 is, was too much for the system to bear, and Biden can't reverse it, maybe. In which case, maybe he's a sacrificial lamb. They say, we'll run this guy because people hate Trump, and then we don't expect him to win again. We'll see. The red wave appears to be showing signs already. But again, it's a special election, so keep that in mind. I know a lot of people are like, that's it, that's the red wave. All right. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm going to try and uh, just keep working throughout the day. So uh, we have a great show tonight on Timcast IRL. Dennis Prager is coming on. He already announced it. So normally we don't announce guests, uh, announce guests, but Dennis Prager announced he'll be coming on the show. So this, this, that should be really, really awesome. And that'll be at 8 p.m. But, I, but I'm hoping to have another segment up for you by 1 p.m. I'm going to take it easy, relax. I've been taking way too many NSAIDs. It's bad for my stomach, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. And I'll see you all at 1 p.m. I can only imagine at this point, the actual journalists at the Washington Post are ready to resign. And there's probably very few of them left. Most of the people who work at the Washington Post are probably just sophists and activists. But of those who are actual journalists, veterans, perhaps people who have spent a long career working for this prestigious paper, they're probably losing it. You've got Taylor Lorenz. She is a whiny diva. And she's just endless drama. She's not doing reporting anymore. She's just a shock jock that the paper has to generate buzz, I guess. I mean, that's kind of sad. And I def- I've defended Taylor Lorenz in the past, but boy, has she really gone off the deep end. You know, back in the day, there were stories that would come out. I could message her and be like, here's some more info. And she'd be like, cool. And she would either correct or she would incorporate it. And be like, I got it. And I was like, that's great. I was like, she does a great job. Like, you, you might not like her reporting. But then she started getting weird started going after kids. And it was like, why are you why are you reporting on children? It's just, you know, whatever. I guess, you know, some people think it's newsworthy because they're they're prominent on social media. So I get it. She started doing things that were deemed unethical. Then she started complaining about all the threats she got. And she instantly evolved into pop culture, culture war diva. And that's where she is now. Not a journalist, but a drama generator. Now, look, it's true that I'm often trending on Twitter, generating drama, but that's passive. You know, I host the Tim, Timcast IRL podcast and Tim Pool Daily Show podcasts and YouTube channels, and we talk about the news of the day. Taylor Lorenz writes about herself, writes conflict of interest stories. I mean, let me give you a few examples. 
the, the main story right now, first and foremost, Taylor Lorenz shrugs off death threats directed at libs of TikTok weeks after doxing Twitter personality. Taylor Lorenz went on TV and cried because of the threats that she received. She often talks about how difficult it is to be a journalist because of the threats that you get and how they could take anything from you, from the internet, and use it against you. And she's going to shrug off that libs of TikTok is getting death threats? Hmm. Well, the interesting thing is Taylor Lorenz is the one who doxed libs of TikTok. You may remember that uh, I, along with the Daily Wire crew, put up a billboard in Times Square saying Taylor Lorenz doxed libs of TikTok. It's a fact. It is a statement of fact. Now, I guess this is this is challenging because legally it's an opinion. Here's what I'm saying. Based on all the relevant information and my perception of what doxing is based on the definition, Taylor Lorenz did dox libs of TikTok. It's funny that Taylor Lorenz can come out and say doxing is wrong, you shouldn't do it, and then do it to libs of TikTok. That Taylor Lorenz can come out and cry and say death threats are so bad, and then basically shrug off the death threats directed at libs of TikTok when she's the one who doxed libs of TikTok. All right, let me slow down. For those who aren't familiar, libs of TikTok is a Twitter account. Many of you are probably aware of it by now. And it just reposts posts from libs from TikTok other stories and leaked information, things like that. For this, the left is extremely angry. Well, we got a couple stories in this vein. The main point I want to drive at with this segment is the hypocrisy of corporate press and the lack of prestige. If you work at the Washington Post, just know you're basically working at TMZ. And you know what? That's kind of mean because I actually respect to a certain degree what TMZ does. Not you, Washington Post. I know for a fact There are veteran reporters have been working at the Post for a long time, and they're depressed because the Washington Post hires this millennial drama queen with no principles to just whine and opine and contradict herself. I can only imagine those that work there talk about the great reporting they've done in the past. They're just like, what have we become? We got Elon Musk. Elon Musk chimed in saying, why? Why isn't Twitter taking these death threats seriously? This is what Taylor Lorenz, of course, is, is responding to, like, oh, here we go, Elon Musk. But we did see some action taken following this. We also have internal communications from Twitter talking about how they want to ban libs of TikTok, and they'll get away with it because no one will quit the platform. And that's the reality, I suppose. But let's take a look at what's going on with these tweets. And then we also have our good friend Cameron Kasky of Parkland uh, Notoriety, who is, it, it's, it's funny, dismissing the death threats responding to someone who literally cried on TV about death threats. Okay. You have tribalists. That's the left. Be it leftist, socialists, or establishment Democrat types. These people are tribalists. Principles do not drive them. What drives them is adherence to the tribe and sophistry. Any argument to justify their actions, even if it contradicts themselves. On the quote-unquote right, which is actually much larger than the right. It's post-liberals, disaffected liberals, moderates, libertarians, conservatives. You have principle and facts. And that is the rule. On the left, it's the exception. You know, sometimes on the left, you'll get a, a, a true response with evidence. I'm not saying you never do. It's just it's the exception when you do. Here's a story from Fox News. Taylor Lorenz previously sobbed on MSNBC decrying the online harassment of women. Washington Post internet culture columnist Taylor Lorenz was quick to dismiss the death threats being aimed at libs of TikTok just weeks after she doxed a popular Twitter personality. Libs of TikTok shared a screenshot of a Twitter user who sent her a message claiming a pipe bomb was on her way and urged her to end her own life. 
Hi, FBI. I'm being threatened with a pipe bomb. Can you please look into this? Libs of TikTok publicly asked. Glenn Greenwald, a vocal critic of Lorenz, reacted. This is what it's like to be a woman on the internet who got doxxed by a newspaper owned by the world's richest man. Actual death threats and encouragement of suicide. Adding, since liberal outlets only care when this happens to the rich, famous national journalists, they'll ignore it. Quote, exactly. And I receive about another five death threats in addition to this since yesterday, Libs of TikTok told Greenwald. Libs later provided an update saying she received about a dozen death threats and how Twitter has not removed any of the accounts of those who sent the threats. That caught the attention of billionaire Elon Musk, who was in the process of buying the social media giant. Why? Elon Musk wondered. That exchange was mocked by Lorenz, who tweeted, of course. Lorenz accused Libs of TikTok of escalating attacks against the LGBTQ community, as the Twitter icon is known for sharing videos showing woke ideology being promoted at schools, including the exposure of adult content to children. She swiped Glenn Greenwald as a right wing influencer, despite his openly liberal. No, no, I'm going to stop you there, Fox News. He's openly progressive politics, saying he has notoriously downplayed harassment against women. Women journalists and said death threats are an inevitable part of a public platform. Well, that's true. And it's unfortunate. We should not tolerate it, to be honest. You know, you know what? If you are anywhere on the political compass other than authoritarian left, you're right wing. That means So Taylor Lorenz is an authoritarian left-leaning individual. Glenn Greenwald is a libertarian left-leaning individual, and it's fairly obvious. His politics are progressive, but he calls out the authoritarianism, the cult-like behavior. So he's right-wing. Okay. She went on to falsely accuse the conservative side of Babylon Bee of having invested in libs of TikTok. It's so crazy. She's not doing reporting anymore. It's really insane what she's become. Taylor, you probably should have reached out to me before reporting fake news. The Babylon Bee has never invested in anything. My personal investments are not Babylon Bee investments, Dylan told Lorenz. Dylan later shared a screenshot showing he was temporarily auto-blocked by Lorenz with a disclaimer saying she uses Twitter's safety mode that flagged his interactions as potentially abusive or spammy. The Washington Post declined to comment. Well, our good friend Cameron Kasky chimed in. Cameron Kasky is the perfect example of sophistry on the left. Cameron cares not to actually engage. You know, for a while, I thought he was, he was pretty cool because I, I, I'm pretty sure he's in an interview with like Dave Rubin and he was like trolly on Twitter. You know, he was kind of just going with it and being like, yo, whatever. But then he decided to play an outright sophistry. What, you know, that is to say, let, let me show you. Taylor Lorenz says, of course, to the Elon Musk screenshot. Cameron Kasky says, if they want to play the death threats game, they can get in line. That ish didn't phase me when I was 17 because I wasn't a little effing baby. Libs of TikTok, go cry yourself to sleep. Oh, I absolutely love it. Cameron, thank you. I agree. I agree. Libs of TikTok complaining about death threats. It's like, here's what I think the real issue is. Libs of TikTok is complaining that Twitter won't take action against death threats. That, I think, warrants being talked about. I don't think Libs of TikTok is just saying, oh, woe is me. People are threatening my life for the most part. I think that's a part of it. Cameron, I understand you've received death threats. I've also received them. That sucks. It's wrong and it shouldn't happen. But you're responding to Taylor Lorenz, who literally cried at receiving harassment and threats. I just I'm sorry. I just love it. This was a brilliantly crafted tweet. And perhaps Cameron is actually trolling Taylor Lorenz. It's the only thing I can really say pointing out if you, it's like subtweeting her. It's really great. Now, I don't think he's actually subtweeting her. I think what we're seeing here is that there is no principle 
among these prominent left-wing players. There are prominent left-wing people who I believe are honest. You got Jimmy Dore. You got Glenn Greenwald. You got a handful of others, but they tend to be anti-establishment and anti-war leftists. So there are some people where I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. Kyle Kalinske, I think is a good dude. Crystal Ball, absolutely. They're progressive there on the left for sure. But Crystal with uh, Sagar in, in, uh, on breaking points, you know, they clearly care about these issues with a difference of opinion. And I think it's fantastic. Cameron Kasky is just a troll. I don't think he actually believes anything he says. I think he just goes on Twitter to rile people up. And I think perhaps this really was a masterful subtweet of Taylor Lorenz. So if that's the case, Cameron, I don't want to, I don't want, maybe it's going right over my head, but I'm just going to say, bravo. If they want to play the death threats game, they can get in line. Libs of TikTok and go cry yourself to sleep. It's just fascinating because Taylor Lorenz literally cried and played the death threats game. Wow. Well, let's talk about the, the double standard here. Elon Musk reacts to graphic death threats aimed at libs of TikTok. Following this, libs of TikTok posted an Instagram saying how it started and swipe to see how it's going. Thanks, Elon. Showing a variety of emails saying that Twitter has suspended those making the death threats. Following Elon Musk's reaction, it looks like some changes actually happened. In response to Taylor Lorenz, Libs of TikTok says the person who cried on air about mean tweets and speaks out for women facing online harassment is upset that Elon questioned why Twitter didn't do anything about the dozens of online threats I, a woman, received. Ah, you must certainly love the hypocrisy. You must love, love, love the hypocrisy. Let's talk about what's going on behind the scenes. Let's talk about the establishment machine. The first thing I want to say is Taylor Lorenz story, double standards. Why am I even talking about it? You know, I hate talking about it. We had Dr. Chloe Carmichael on Timcast IRL uh, just over a week, a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, Dr. Chloe Carmichael is a clinical psychologist. And she mentioned to me, she said, Tim, on your show on IRL, you said you don't even want to talk about the double standard anymore because it's just so obvious. And she's like, but you have to. You have to because when you stop talking about it, you start to accept that it's the way things are and you should call it out and challenge it. And that's a good point. It's also true that you need all of the all of the political firepower you can get for your arguments. And that is when someone asks you about something, you want up to date and relevant information proving the machine is lying. Let me give you a good example right now. The left says Republicans aren't playing by the rules and they're steamrolling us and Democrats just keep giving what they want. And I'm like, like what? Answer the question. Well, we want universal health care. Republicans blocked it. So you want thing and you're having a hard time getting thing and that's Republicans not playing fair. Well, I'll tell you this. I want thing. Republicans don't give me thing. They, they give the Democrats what they want. Here's an example. Gun control. The obvious one. Democrats say we want to ban the AR-15. We want to ban X, Y and Z. Then the Republicans say, OK, we'll give you some of that. Where is what I get? You know, you say we want you, we, we want universal health care. But the Republicans blocked us and all we got was Obamacare. So you got some of what you wanted, but not all of it. But that's Republicans playing not fair. I'll tell you this. I'll take some of what I want once, please. It doesn't happen. Republicans don't do anything. Republicans just slow down the Democrats. That's it. So let's take a look at this double standard. Libs of TikTok obtains leaked internal Slack convo between frustrated Twitter employees wanting to ban her. Absolutely fascinating. Let's just jump to some of these uh, internal Slack messages. 
So we have this from their social water cooler. It's a link to Ari Drennan saying Chaya Raichik of Libs of TikTok is going to get somebody killed. Feels more likely that Libs of TikTok will get a verified badge out of this than a platform ban. Happy Pride. When employees of the conversation added, like, I don't get how this account, which exists solely to generate targeted violence at marginalized people, continues to be allowed to post. These people are evil. And I'll tell you why. To the Twitter equivalent of I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, reposting people's stuff publicly, try harder, cry harder. I had a person publish my address. I reported to Twitter and they said, I had a person dox me and Twitter said, we don't care. On YouTube, I had a guy publish my address and then threatened to kill me. And YouTube said, we don't care. I even forwarded it. I don't know. Maybe they took it down eventually. But I was like, how is it? That these videos exist, doxing me and threatening my life, and you do nothing. Fortunately, Elon Musk tweeted, and now is enough to get these death threats taken down. But this should be the easiest way to understand there's no principle here. Now, look, Crystal Ball and Kyle Kalinsky, I'm big fans. I'm a big fan. I think they're fantastic and they're good people. And I think they have principles because they'll actually talk to you. And if you're wrong, they'll tell you you're wrong and they'll back it up because they're smart people. Tremendous respect. I think Kyle gets some things wrong, I get, th- I get things wrong too. And so maybe it's the sources we read where we, you know, we're at conflict. But I genuinely think Kyle tries to be, you know, a good person and, and, uh, uh, and as Crystal Ball as well. Good for them. Then you've got the Young Turks. They willfully mislead people. You've got Taylor Lorenz. It seems to be that with the left, Covington kids, lie. Jesse Smollett, lie. Hands up, don't shoot, lie. Russiagate, lie. Ukraine gate, lie. Ahmed Arbery, lie. It's all misleading. What was it? They, they, NBC edited the audio of George Zimmerman, Zimmerman to make him sound like a racist. And then they say, we are the right ones. No. The left, it is the rule that they are typically getting things wrong. It is the rule they get things wrong and the exception when they get things right. That is to say, let's call it 60-40. For a lot of the mainstream news sources, I use them. They're NewsGuard certified. I use them. All right? I'll use The Hill. I'll use CNN when I know what they're saying is true. As for other outlets, I tend to just go by the NewsGuard certification. If NewsGuard has an issue with that, I don't know what to tell you, NewsGuard. If there is a green check mark I, and I'm opining on a story, I'm assuming it's correct based on you assuming they're publishing correct information. But anyway, I digress. On the right, you have a tendency. The rule is that they get things right. They, not, not all of them co- called out Covington because sometimes they do get things wrong. Then you have a lot of diehard Trump supporters that get things wrong a lot. You got the Q cult people. The left has similar conspiracy nonsense. It's just not prominent. It's not hyped up. Why is it that the QAnon stuff is so known, but the blue anon stuff is often overlooked? It's because mainstream corporate press screams QAnon nonstop, even though there's like barely anybody who believes that stuff. The funny thing is they'll cite these polls where they're like 57% of Republicans believe that a pedo cult runs the world. And I'm like, dude, they're talking about Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Gates. Like, we know the Epstein stuff is true because Ghislaine Maxwell has been convicted. So if people then surmise based on that with prominent people going to that island that they're all in cahoots together running the show, well, it's not an unreasonable assumption, but it just might not be true. I'm certainly certain most people just think it is true because why wouldn't you? But look, me, I'm not about conspiracies. I can say, yeah, Bill, Bill Clinton flew on that plane. Bill Gates was friends with this guy. Take that for what it is. I'd love to see some hard evidence on what was going on, but uh, they haven't released the client list for Ghislaine Maxwell, so I'd love to see that. 
wonder if it includes a lot of those prominent people. So Alex Jones talks about Epstein. They say he's a crazy crackpot. Turns out he was right about that. You see, that's the issue. I don't think Alex Jones is always right. That's why we have the Alex Jones was right jar. The Alex Jones was right jar is a point about how he says a lot of crazy things. And when he gets it right, you put money in the jar. If Alex Jones was always right, we would literally not need the jar. We'd be like, yep, he's a journalist. That's the joke. They don't get it, though. But Alex Jones has made some pretty accurate statements and, and, and predictions. And people point that out because he also said stuff like 5G cell towers and, you know, animal hybrids, human animal hybrids, stuff like that. And, and some of that is based in fact, but it's really stretched to an extreme degree. I often point that out. Here's what we see. Over at Twitter, they are actually saying we should ban this account because of what it does. Are you going to ban Media Matters? Media, uh, Media Matters posts things out of context. A Media Matters reporter posted fake news about me, just made stuff up. And then when I said, hey, that's not correct, they said, I hope a bird poops on your hat and gets in your eyebrow. And I was like, what? That's allowed? Well, where the Twitter employees say these accounts exist solely to direct violence at the right. Yeah. It makes sense, though. When you look at the primetime January 6th hearing, Tucker Carlson wasn't airing it for the most part. He was crit- he was, it, was, it was like a reaction of it, criticizing it. Every other channel just marched in lockstep. The fascinating thing to me about all of that, Fox News, the odd person out, challenging the, the, the machine and the lies. Just one. That's it. It makes sense, right? Most people are wrong about this stuff. Most people are not researching it. The January 6th committee is non-adversarial. It is a bunch of establishment shills feigning bipartisanship, but they did not let on any dissenting voice. Bipartisan is meaningless. This is what I want to show you with this. It's why I wanted to talk about the Taylor Lorenz story. How can someone who cries about death threats shrug off death threats? They are not serious people. So I give you this. When you're talking to a friend or a family member, this is why I think we should highlight the double standards. You should point out the manipulations in the machine. So you can say there's a double standard. And when they say, no, I watch the news and be like, yes, but the news is lying to you most of the time. Just tell them this. The Covington kid story was not true. Remember that? I don't know. What was it the kid in the stairs of the Lincoln Memorial? Turns out the Indian guy, the Native American guy, sorry, was the guy who walked up to him. Oh, hands up, don't shoot. Remember that? Pull it up. Obama's Justice Department found hands up, don't shoot was not true. Come on. Jussie Smollett, do you believe that? Show them this stuff. These people are not serious. They don't care. They want power. Call it out. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. My back. Yeah, I know. Most of you probably know. I know. My back hurts, but I'm going to keep working through it. I hate not working. Gotta be honest. The two days I could not work in the morning and it was really hard to do IRL as well because I'm like struggling to sit up. I strained a muscle in my back. It's just slept wrong. I gotta, I gotta, you just, it happens. It's really it. Just, it happens. But, um, you know, doing my best. So I'll make sure to get that workout for you guys. I really do appreciate it. Stay tuned for the next segment at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast and I'll see you all then.